I really always believe that God has a specific assignment when we gather together. Do you agree? It's always something specific that He has in mind, something He desires to do. So that's what we really want to, uh, to press into today, not necessarily to focus in on good ideas, but really what's God's idea for uh, our coming together today. And we're, we're stepping into a new season, and I want to kind of step into it with a bit of explanation and oversight, kind of a 30,000 uh, from above view, and then we'll zoom in just a little bit and start to look at this over the course of the next several weeks. But we're talking about what it is to live life in light of eternity. And it's a pretty heavy topic, to be honest with you. As I kind of navigated through some of it, I thought, oh, that's a little heavy uh, going into that, and, and uh, I just need wisdom and just the leadership of the Lord to know how to navigate through what these weeks are to be about, because I believe God really does want to capture not only our attention, but He wants to hold our affection. So can we just take a moment and allow Him to have exactly that? We're not trying to make religious people. Uh, we really do want you to have a personal relationship with God, not where you represent Him by being good, but where you die to yourself, and the goodness of God then lives through your surrendered life. That is. That is really our heart and everything that I believe God wants us to do. So, Lord, we just invite you into this room right now. And in the midst of all of our personal dysfunctions that exist in every single one of us in the room, somehow there is a seed of destiny that's greater than the dysfunction. Lord, I know you're calling to those seeds within us, and you're desiring for us to see things that are beyond where we've been to shape our perspective with the very priorities of God at the forefront of the, of the lives that we lead. And I pray, Lord, as we explore your word, look into what you have to say today, that there would begin to be a sense and understanding, Lord, of what you're taking us into as a church family in this next season. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Well, I want to ask you today, let's, uh, let's team together. And let's release something to the atmosphere. How many of you believe God wants us to live with the eternal perspective of God? That's where you say amen. That's when we release something together. We believe God wants to, to take us into a greater place of understanding His heart. You've been given the mind of Christ, so how about we use the mind of Christ? Amen. We release that to the atmosphere. We agree over the person to our left and our right that they would be blessed today. Can you amen that? And so we're just agreeing today that we want to release something to the spiritual atmosphere. There's a spiritual atmosphere of our lives, and, and gathering together in the church is a really important part of that as we understand what it is to live in light of eternity. Um, there is, and, and we can all relate, there, there are things that we have done that we wish we hadn't. How many of you can identify with that? Can I just see your hand? Something you've done you wish you hadn't. And then you wind up in a state of regret. Or maybe there's something that you should have done that you wish you, uh, that you something that you should have done that you didn't do. And uh, how many of you can relate to that? You can, I mean, that's when you realize, ah, oh, I wish I had done that. We say in our family all the time, uh, especially when it comes to, you know, in a restaurant and tipping. And uh, I have never regretted being too generous, but I have many times regretted not being generous enough. 
Can you relate to that? And I, I mean, so many times I've thought, well, should I do a little more? And then when I leave, if I didn't, I think, ah, I wish I would have done a little bit more. I mean, God just wants us to learn his characteristics in the way we live our lives and lessen the regret. This all makes sense to us in the temporal mindset, but I want you to think about one day. You and I will step into eternity. You do realize that. We will step into eternity. We will come face to face with God. We will suddenly have a better understanding of who God designed us to be and all God designed us to do and everybody God designed us to influence and draw into the kingdom of God. Can you imagine what it is to move from mere regret in this world to eternal regret in the next. I want you to think about that because we really need to get a hold of what the priorities of God are so that we can live our lives in such a way that we lessen eternal regret. We want to live our lives in such a way that we are living in light of eternity in the way we walk this out. Leonard Ravenhill said this incredible statement, and I reflect on it often. Five minutes inside eternity, and we will wish that we had sacrificed more, wept more, grieved more, loved more, prayed more, and given more. How many of you believe that to be true? Amen. Uh, I believe God wants to shape some things in our heart. I want to encourage you. I, I talked a little bit to uh, Denise, who made it this morning, and I, I read a message from her recently about how she was at home and unable to be here. And we just command healing to your back, Denise, in Jesus' mighty name. Command healing in the name of Jesus. How many believe that God actually has the capacity and ability to release something out of heaven into the earth that comes by way of our prayers? Amen. Come on, let's declare that in agreement today. We're releasing something in an atmosphere of faith in this place. But I, I read a note that she had sent saying, thank you so much for online, and we have our online family, uh, online community with us today as a part of the Destiny family, and uh, thankful for these guys on the cameras and for everybody running the tech in that booth back around the corner of the studio. Uh, I appreciate all that. And Denise was just saying, thank you for providing that. And she said, thank you for online giving option, because that provides me something to be able to cement my worship when I give. And I remember reading what she was saying about the, the connection of those two things. And I, I just, I want to challenge you as I was reading this quote from Leonard Ravenhill, I realized part of what he's saying is in eternity we'll wish that we'd wept more, grieved more, loved more, prayed more, and given more. And I want to challenge you to find the giving stations, give online with the understanding that it's not about trying to make bills at the, at the church house. <laughs> that's not what that's about. This is about your worship. This is about your understanding that your giving is an expression of eternity in a temporal world. This is about taking worship and putting something with it that resembles the sacrifice of Christ and, and taking a sacrificial expression out of my own personal life to say, God, I want to see the kingdom of God expand. How many of you want to have a, a heart for the things of God? Can I just see? Let's take a quick vote. You want to have a heart for the things of God. Do you understand part of God's plan has always been that we bring our treasure into the storehouse where we're being spiritually fed? And what that does is awaken something of a desire because the Bible says where your treasure is, your heart will go. And I believe God wants to stir that within us as we learn what it is to really have the values that he has in walking all of these things out. We're going to take a look at the apostolic prayer found in Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to evaluate and just get a glimpse of the stories of Daniel, Elisha, and Jacob 
over these few weeks together uh, as we focus in on this and really see how these three individuals lived and carried such, lived out and carried such a, an eternal perspective in the way they walked out what they did. And uh, I believe God is going to awaken something within us to see. Now, I want to give you a, a, some framework. Um, first, there's this, this picture I want you to see where two people see a number from two perspectives. One person sees a six and one person sees a nine. And I want you to see that depending on which side you're standing on the number, then that determines what you are seeing. Your perspective is determined by where you are standing and what you are seeing. Do you understand what I'm saying? And I want to say to you, we will in these next few weeks learn to stand in Christ with greater strength and see God's kingdom with greater clarity. And we are going to understand something. The, the, the number six speaks of humanity and the limitation of mankind. And if we take the trinity of God and add it to the six, we get the nine. So for the sake of analogy today, what we're going to look at is seeing things from six, which speaks of human limitation, versus seeing things from nine, which is when humanity and deity come together. His name is Jesus. He is able to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond all that we can ask or imagine. No matter what you may be looking at today, maybe you see it as a six, and today God wants to say, no, I want you to add the Trinity element to what the limitations of humanity is really all about, and we're going to see it from the perspective of a nine. Now, you'll understand a little bit more of why I'm bringing that emphasis today, but let's walk this out, and I want to challenge you just to see something as you read your Bibles. It's important that you have your own relationship with God. How many of you know Christians should be self-feeders, but we live in a society where the church organization in general has created an atmosphere that has really adopted consumerism in such a way that we've undermined Christians from having any kind of passion to really seek God on their own because we've tried to create so much clever to attract people in that they keep coming back if we have enough clever. And I say we don't need more clever, we need more power. We need more power, the power of God in our own personal lives, walking this out every single day so vital for us to understand this. And as you're reading your Bible and you start to look through the life of Jesus and the Gospels of Christ in the New Testament, you're going to begin to notice something as soon as I point this out to you. But Jesus constantly paused to look to the heavens. I don't know if you've ever noticed it, but it's like all through his life, he stopped and he would look up to the heavens. When he fed the 5,000, there were 5,000 people, and there were just a few uh, loaves and fish. And, and, and everybody said, it's a six. There's not enough food for all these people. And the Bible actually says Jesus stopped, and he looked up to the heaven, and he said, no, it's not a six, it's a nine, and there's more than enough for every person here, and in fact, we're going to have some leftovers. I want you to know God wants to take what you see as a six and turn it into a nine because of the supernatural dynamic of who God is in our surrendered available life. I'm declaring today God has the power to deliver you from things that have held you captive maybe your whole life. You've seen it as a six. Today I'm declaring it's a nine. In John chapter 11, this is when Lazarus had died. Everybody say dead. Like dead, you know, I've heard people say, as long as there's life in my body, there's hope with the Lord. I want you to know, even if there's not life in your body, he's powerful enough, there's hope with God. 
In John chapter 11, it says, so they removed the stone. Then Jesus, what? Raised his eyes. Here it is again. We see this over and over. In John 17, verse 1, after Jesus had spoken these words, he looked up to the heaven. It's very important that you understand Jesus was doing this in demonstration for us to see that you and I don't have to live life from the perspective of six, but six is a nine when you're standing in Christ and you're seeing your situation from the correct perspective. I'm saying God is able to do anything. Bartimaeus was blind, and Jesus said, no, not a six, it's a nine. Let Bartimaeus receive his sight. Abraham and Sarah, they were too old to have a baby. But behold, the perspective of God broke into that six and converted it to a nine. Joseph was betrayed, and he was neglected. He was abandoned, and he was forgotten. But God raised him up. Behold, the eternal perspective of God changed his situation. Moses was on the backside of the desert with no hope or no anticipation of being able to go anywhere or do anything influential ever again. But behold, the perspective of God began to transform Moses' situation. Esther, she could have been killed for coming into the courts of the king, but perhaps, Esther, you were born for such a time as this. I want to say to you, perhaps you were born for such a time as this. Behold, the perspective of God, the eternal perspective of God. David was just a boy facing Goliath who was going to tear him limb for limb from limb as an, as a declaration in front of all of his people that, he, that they were going to lose to their champion fighter. But behold, the eternal perspective of God. And David did not back up, but he charged in. And the Bible says he aggressively attacked an enemy that he could not defeat on his own. But he saw the nine in the sixth situation. Daniel was a prisoner in Babylon, yet God raised him up in excellence, even in that, to literally shift the, the culture and the government of God into the government of the earth. I'm declaring today, revival is coming to the land. Behold the eternal perspective of God. Living in light of eternity changes what you are seeing. I'm fired up today. I'm tired of seeing Christians tormented by the enemy. I'm tired of seeing insecurity and dysfunction abound in in the sons and daughters of God that exist in the earth because they simply don't know who they are and they've not risen up in the anointing that will destroy every yoke of bondage. I'm fed up with it and it's time for us as the body of Christ to rise up and become everything God has called us to become. All the earth is awaiting for the sons and daughters to be revealed. Second Kings chapter 6 tells this incredible story of Elisha with his servant. And they're surrounded by enemy armies, and there's no hope for them to survive. Maybe some of you in this room are experiencing a no-hope situation that you've maybe not even told anybody about. And the servant wakes up, and he looks at a no-win situation where there's no hope whatsoever. And he tells Elisha, hey, we're in trouble. <laughs> And and Elisha prays this incredible prayer. He he doesn't say, God, give my servant spiritual eyes that he does not have. That's not his prayer. 
He says, God, open my servant's spiritual eyes. That's my prayer for you today. You have spiritual eyes. But just because you have something doesn't mean you use something. And I want to challenge you. You have spiritual eyes. You have the mind of Christ. You have the armor of God. You have the word of God. You have the spirit of God. You have a father in heaven who deems every decision in your direction because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. What more do you need to get your head in the game and focus in on who God's called you to be? Let's defeat the giant. Let's rise up out of the pit. Let's do everything God's called us to do. Mighty men and women of God. It's enough. You know, my mom, she came to me, and, and I've shared this now, but months ago, and she, she shared this concerning diagnosis from the doctor, very concerning. Uh, it, it, what, it looked, what it sounded like was lung cancer, and uh, had probably, you know, with the, the conversation that the doctor was having, you know, probably had progressed enough that now that we were able to see this. And, and I remember she was, we, we were in, actually in here for Tuesday morning prayer. We meet here at 6 a.m., and I invite you to be a part of that. We're in here at 9 a.m. on Sunday morning for prayer. How many believe in the power of prayer? then I want to encourage you to be a part of prayer and let's release the kingdom in the earth. And so we were here on that Tuesday morning. My mom came up and she began to share all this with me. And I remember I just looked at her and I said, Mom, I don't want to react right now. Some of y'all need to hear this. I said, I don't want to react right now. I want to pray so I can respond. And it was the next day before I talked to her, and the Lord specifically gave me a word. We began to declare that word, and, you know, in that particular scenario, everything about that shifted, and uh, good reports came, no cancer whatsoever, and mom's here on the third row next to dad. Love you guys. Come on, celebrate and declare today. Let's break the spirit of cancer in Jesus' name. Let's break the spirit of infirmity in Jesus' name. Why don't you rise up and declare it today? No six, it's a nine. No matter what the doctor may say, we're declaring that God is able to intervene in every situation, every circumstance, healing in the house in Jesus' mighty name. Let the body of Christ rise up in power and anointing that would destroy every yoke of bondage, every yoke of sickness, every yoke of depression, every yoke of bondage and addiction, every single yoke in the mighty name of Jesus. Somebody shout. Yes. In the name of Jesus, we release it to the atmosphere, Lord. Is all this really necessary? Aren't y'all just a little over the top around here? Can you imagine somebody watching God of all eternity break into the temporal earth in which you and I live, healing people's bodies and not getting excited about it? I don't understand. I'm believing. I'm declaring. I believe that we are here to make a mark and to leave a legacy that will actually impact a generation of people that have even yet to be born, that they will be raised up to know their God and be strong and do great exploits. Psalms 121, verse 1, I will lift up my eyes to the mountains. Will you say that phrase with me? I will lift up my eyes to the mountains. From where shall my help come? What is the psalmist saying? I'm going to look up above the circumstances of this world. 
I have absolute expectation that God from another realm will reach into my circumstance and situation. He goes on, Psalms 123.1, to you I lift up my eyes, O you who are enthroned in the heavens. I want to challenge you this week. Lift up your countenance. Stop letting the circumstances that surround you take control of your life. I just sense Jesus the sledgehammer is in the house. I believe he is destroying some things that have just held people captive. I feel this sense of battle on me today that is a very unusual sense of God rising up to fight against your enemies. Don't coddle your enemy. Don't protect your enemy. Don't justify your enemy. Don't try to understand it and just say, well, you don't understand my situation. Don't justify anything. Let the Lord deal with the enemy who's trying to hold you back today. Isaiah 40, verse 26, lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these stars, the one who leads forth their hosts by number. He calls them all by name. You'll never rise above the dominant images in your mind. You know, we've, we've come away I'm going to be a little wild this morning. I hope that's all right. I'm just not going to rush. I feel there's some real groundwork that needs to be laid, not just for today, but for the weeks to come. So let's engage in this together and walk this out, take our time together and what God's wanting to do. Uh, I know the church has come out of legalism where there used to be so many legalistic things that would just quench. And, and how many of you are glad we're not there anymore? But the church has come into a measure of grace that actually is fostering ideas of lasciviousness and, li- and lifestyles that are not honoring or consecrated to God. Is anybody hearing me today? And somewhere the pendulum swinging needs to find a balance where we understand the grace of God, but we also recognize consecration actually produces activation of the gifts that exist within us. I want to say to you, be free, but I also want to say to you, don't let your freedom cause you to get tripped up and cause other people to stumble as well as yourself. And so let me say it again, you'll never rise above the dominant images in your mind. This is why the devil wants your thought life. It's your next blank. You want to write that in this week. I hope you'll reflect on some of these ideas. But the the enemy wants your thought life. And and I'm just going to say it. I want you to, to get it. If you are entertainment central, and our society is largely entertainment central, If you're a person that just watches TV all the time or constantly trying to entertain, then what you're doing is making your soul and your mind really, really small, and there's no spiritual, eternal value in your disposition or perspective, and what you've got to learn to do is get bigger than those images that the enemy's trying to to foster within you and go into the Word and memorize the Scripture and focus in on prayer, find new prayer strategies, take prayer walks with God, just walk with God, spend time with God. Let him enlarge you so you begin to behold the eternal perspective of God as your way of life. Y'all were amen to me better than when I started messing with your entertainment. How many of you heard time flies when you're having fun? How many of you feel like your life just escapes you? I mean, I can't believe my girls have graduated high school. Like, 
wasn't that long ago, and we were just praying, God, let us have a baby. I mean, we, we just want to have a baby. This church family prayed in our firstborn faith, and we had a baby. We were celebrating. It was like Mufasa, man. We were, I don't know what those words, but, you know, the baby dedication, man. It was a, what happened to all those years? Man, it just goes by so fast. Time flies when you're having fun, and the more entertainment central you live your life, the quicker the years slip by and the less substance that exists as a result of the life you have lived. Our hearts were made to be enlarged by Christ, and all creation, all creation cannot replace the supremacy of Christ. Knowing the supremacy of Christ enlarges the soul so that the world and its little thrills become as small as they really are. Only in God's presence can we have our souls enlarged as God intended for our souls to be enlarged. And that makes little lusts of this world lose their power. I'm strategically walking through some of these statements so that you're hearing and stewing on them, letting them digest in your spirit. Allow the Holy Spirit to convict you of your entertainment central lifestyle. I'm not against having fun. I love to play golf. I love to get out and do things. I love to laugh. But I'm going to tell you, when it comes to seeking God, there's nothing about my life that I'm more serious and devoted about. I'm not saying this to to try and be a Pharisee in front of you of how often I pray or any of those things, but I'm a man who prays. I'm a man who reads the Scripture. I'm a man who memorizes the Word of God. I'm a man who calls my family together to pray. I'm a man who's not standing up here giving you good sermon ideas that I heard. I'm a man who's heard the voice of God to declare the oracles of heaven into the earth and awaken something in your life, and you should be the same as well everywhere we go. That's normal Christianity. It's not common Christianity of our day, but that's normal biblical Christianity. Somebody amen me. John Piper said this. Crazy statement. So true, though. One of the main reasons the world and the church are consumed by lust and pornography. Men and women are consumed with pornography. Before I finish this quote, men and women in society today are consumed with pornography. Statistically speaking, there are a major number of people in this room that are absolutely entrenched and in bondage to pornography. 30%, 30% of internet porn is now viewed by women. This is a men and women issue. And let me just say, I don't want to get off into this too far. Uh, Parentally speaking, when you give your child a phone like this, you equip them to something that you may regret if you don't know how to carefully monitor that dangerous apparatus that they now have in their hands. Is anybody with me? Very important that we walk this out very cautiously. And I'm just going to say, you guys need to hear it. I know sometimes our kids be like, you know, why are you you all my business? Why are you looking at my phone? I'm going to look at your phone. I gave you that phone. I pay your phone bill. That's not your phone. That's my phone. Amen. 
I have apps on my phone that I see text messages that my kids get. I have apps on my phone so that I can see everything they're interacting with people on Instagram. Get over it. Get responsible. Take your place, moms and dads. Parent your children. Don't let them talk you out of being responsible. Let some 14-year-old kid talk you out of your parental responsibility. Come on now. One of the, this is John Piper. One of the main reasons the world and the church are consumed by lust and pornography is that our lives are intellectually and emotionally disconnected from infinite, soul-staggering grandeur from which we were made. The deepest cure for our pitiful addictions is to be fascinated by the infinite, everlasting, unchanging supremacy of Christ in all things. Powerful things happen inside you when you spend time alone with God. When you're in his presence for extended periods of time, the molecular composition of your soul begins to get restructured. You start to think differently, and you eat. You don't even know why. You start to have different passions and different interests, and you don't even understand the process taking place within you. God is changing you on the inside in ways you cannot cognitively analyze. All you know is sinful affections that once pulled at your soul no longer have their former power over you. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, so I say then, live by the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Of the, flesh. the church has this wrong. We've tried to convince people, don't be bad so that you can be good or stop viewing porn so you can be led by the Spirit. The Scripture actually says, be led by the Spirit so all of those desires diminish and pale in comparison to the grandeur of God. Live by the Spirit and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Somebody shout! Come on! I'm waking up the church. I'm declaring, let the body of Christ come into a greater revelation of Christ. Let the church rise up in a greater understanding of who Jesus really is. It is not God's plan for us to live pathetic lives bound in addiction of any sort. Ha, the fire of God's in this place. Your kids need your fire to burn hot. If you live a mediocre life, they will justify mediocrity or less with you as the reason. Come on, let's stand to our feet. I think I came home with some fire. I appreciate that our church has a a vision for sending our leadership. I go out and I carry something from this house. But when I come back, I bring something back. And when other people in our team go out, they carry something out of this house. And when they come back, they bring something back. It's the way God pollinates the body of Christ. If we're not careful, we get too focused in centrally and internally, and we we never look out, and we just want our thing, and we just want to focus on our thing. God's doing something bigger than our thing. God's doing God thing. I want to be a part of something bigger than what maybe I can come up with. How about you?
apostolic prayer that I pray over this church family very often. Let me just say, I forgot my turn the page Bible when I went to the UK. And if you know turn the page, you're every day turning the page and can't do that very well if you don't have it with you. And so I just began to say, okay, Lord, what do I do? And I just felt like the Holy Spirit was introducing me to a new rhythm for the week. And, uh, and I just began to pray the book of Psalms out loud. 150 plus chapters, 151, whatever it is. Uh, and I just began, I would just walk and pray. And just walk and pray. And then when the Lord would highlight something, I'd just pause and focus in on that. I, I'm saying that because some of you all just need to hear ideas about how to spend time with God. How many of you can read at least partially? Okay, God will do the rest if you'll just read partially. Uh, you know, just read the book of Psalms out loud as a prayer expression. Here's the apostolic prayer from Paul in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 18. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which God has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. And his incomparably great power for us who believe, that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in this present age, but also in the one to come in eternity. Verse 22, and God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body. Everybody shout, that's me. That's us. That's what this is. Jesus was appointed to be head over the church, which is the body of Christ and the fullness of him, which fills everything in every way. <laughs> The message says it this way, Ephesians 1.23, the church is Christ's body in which God speaks and God acts and by which he fills everything with God's presence. We are the avenue God uses to fill the earth with his presence. Are you hearing this? How many of you know we're not much, but we're the best he's got because he's chosen us. So I just want to say, let's take it up a notch. Let's, let's take it up one level. One level of volume. One level of shout. One level of pursuit. One level of greater faithfulness in our loving, in our serving, in our giving, in our showing up as a church family and showing up on purpose, not just casually, you know, coasting through this, this thing of life, but being the body of Christ that he's called us to be and leaving the world a better place because we carry something from the kingdom of God in our hearts. So this week, I want to ask you, your action point is to purpose every single day to rehearse the mind of God as you rehearse the Word of God. To memorize the Bible is to memorize the mind of God. Pick a portion of Scripture. Psalms 84, I would recommend it. Any of the Psalms that you divide by two, 
42, 63. You understand? Four divided by two is two. Six divided by three is three. Psalms 42, 63, 84. Those are all beautiful portions of Scripture that you're actually familiar with and you don't even know it. Psalms 42, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for my God. Oh, God, awaken something in us today, I pray. Help us not to leave here, Lord, and just be inspired. I pray, God, we would be empowered by the Spirit of God with a greater hunger that we cannot control, an appetite that we cannot contain. We have to know you more intimately to become more of who you've called us to be, that we would look up to the heavens and move beyond the limitations of this world, living our lives in light of eternity. In the name of Jesus, In the name of Jesus, if you're here and you say, I'm not even sure I'm serving God. I'm not even sure I'm walking with God. I'm not even sure that I really know what it is to be a Christian. I want you to lift your hand. I want to pray for you today. Anybody at all in this place? I want you to be a part, thank you, of the family of God. I want you to walk as sons and daughters of God. Anybody else? Just quickly, just lift your hand if that's you. I want to make sure that I know I'm walking with God. I'm not talking about talking you into playing church. I'm talking about you really walking with God, hearing the voice of God, sensing the heart of God, following the compassionate example of Christ as He awakens His very own compassion in your life. It'll change everything about who you are. Come on, I want you to pray this prayer out loud with those who have lifted their hands. Say this with me out loud. Lord Jesus... You came, you lived, you died, but you're alive. You came back from the dead. You are who you say you are. You're the savior of the world. Rescue me. I admit I need you to rescue me from my sin. I'm alive. I am alive. And I will serve you all the days of my life. You're my Savior. You are my Lord. Teach me your ways. Amen, amen, amen. Come on, let's give Him praise. Let's lift up the name of this wonderful King.